I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you look back from being in that car with all that uncertainty to now. Yeah. What do you think about, like, what the, what's that journey been like? And you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, we've had a lot of offline conversations about, you know, because we're good friends and we've had those conversations about, like, what my life has been like in the past year, year and a half. And there's been a lot of changes in my life. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thank you for being here. I'm Evelyn, and this is Repin. In the preceding episode, it was part one of my conversation with a talented Chinese-Canadian actress. She has guested on my podcast twice before, and through those episodes, we learned that she has defied expectations, rose above her own fears when she left a secure career in finance to pursue her dreams of being an actress. With no projects in place, she uprooted her life and risked it all. Now, she's racked up show credits that include Street Legal, Family Law, and most notably, she's on the CW's hit, Kung Fu. She's learned a lot throughout her journey, and she shared some of those lessons with us. But on her latest appearance on Reppin, she really lets us into her life and reveals the past few years have been filled with major life changes. A metamorphosis. This is by far the most personal conversation we've had on the show. Listen in for the conclusion of my conversation with Yvonne Chapman. I would say, generally speaking, people talk a lot, but are not able to execute. So I think that they're two separate ballgames completely. The fact that you have been able to do it and you've been able to replicate it, I think, through even the last year 
for you, Yvonne, is sort of a lesson that you've really applied within yourself in terms of the growth trajectory that you've had since the car to now being on a hit show. When you look back and reflect on it, do you understand the incredible journey and growth that you've made thus far? I mean, I kind of, I, 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 because I'm still trying to unpack it. Right. But if I may, I, I think I have to disagree with you. I think everybody does have the capability of doing it. I really do. I think everybody has the capability. capability. Yeah. I think everybody can. I think not every, everyone does it. Not everyone does it because not, sometimes not everybody is ready. Right. Or whatever is stopping them. Again, it's just something that you, we all have to reckon with and be really honest and have that self-reflection of what is it that's not allowing me to take the steps or the actions that will give me ultimately what I want in this life. Right. And also what I want is very different from what someone else may want too. So there's no judgment there of like, maybe some people don't want to, and that's completely fine. Absolutely. I do think everybody has a capability to change anything that they want to change if they really want it. I think that's a power and that's an innate ability that everybody has. And again, it does take, like you said, though, it takes a lot of courage to do that first step. It does. And I don't want to minimize that by saying like, it takes a lot of small steps to do this. But those steps, when I say small, all I'm saying is that the task at hand doesn't have to be so large that it has to be all or nothing. Yeah, that's a good point. It could be really simple things to give you the self-confidence to be able to then do those other things because everything adds up. As we know, every little thing adds up. Yeah. You know, speaking about like how I got here, I look on my past of everything. Every student film I did for absolutely no money with no experience has added up to this. Yeah. It really has. Like I value those experiences so much and I would never ever take those or regret any of those things, good or bad of of what they were. They were all good when you look back on it because it all taught me something. Right. So one bad experience should not deter anybody from continuing on. It should just teach you something. I love that. I also want to distinguish between capability and space. This is something that I've learned a lot of in the last two years. I know that I'm very hard on myself on a daily basis when I don't get my laundry list of things to do done. And I have been really learning for myself that you're always able and capable of doing a laundry list, right? So let's say I have 10 things on my day that I wrote down in my journal that I say, I need to do a workout today. I need to do this. I need to write a page of whatever script. I also need to do work on this. And then I plan it out hour by hour. And it's not that I can't do that. I definitely can. But sometimes... I don't have the space to do it. That's fair. And so there's a difference between the capability and the space. Sometimes I do not have the mental, physical, and emotional space to get something done, but I'm always trying my best. And that has been a huge lesson for me because I get so hard on myself when I don't get that stuff done, but then I'm like, no, but you needed some time off for yourself because- I just didn't have the space today to reply to that email. I didn't have the space today to unfortunately go out and and do this thing that's been on my bucket list for a while. And then I get so hard on myself, but it's like, I'm okay to take that space for myself and to recognize that that's just equally as important as it is on one of the tasks that I have on that day. I wanted to say thank you for that because that's something that I hadn't even thought about. 
But now I'm going to also take that because I struggle with that too. Everybody does. But yeah, and I appreciate you sort of bringing that to my brain. Of course. And I, you know, I think in saying that too, if someone listening to this hasn't been able to take that step yet, that action yet to do something, I just want to say I understand that sometimes you just don't have that space yet. Mm-hmm. So how do you create that space for yourself? Take time. This is the other thing too. We always talk about like time is such a precious thing. There's not enough time. There's not enough, you know, whatever there is. It's like, well, how do we value that in our expenditure of time? Sometimes it's not always a result, like a tangible result that other people can measure us by. Sometimes it's a really quiet moment that nobody has privy to that is time well spent. That's allowing us to give us space for something in the future. I'm so glad to know you. (laughs) Stop it. This is all stuff that I've had to reckon with, with with a lot in the past year and a bit. But all I'm saying is that we can give each other a lot more understanding by understanding that our space and that gradient of space differs between people, but we are all capable of the change and the action. It just has to marry with that space that we have with ourselves. That's so great. In the very beginning of our conversation, we talked a lot about your first buy-in to whatever it is that you want to do it has to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're 100% right. I didn't think about that. And I just sort of ran towards what I wanted, which was to work in entertainment, because I couldn't do any kind of math. But also, you know, in a previous conversation, I think it was maybe episode, your first guest appearance, where you talked about the importance of community. Mm. That is something that I've really taken with me in my real life after our conversation. Community, I think is a huge, huge thing. And, and it's something that I'm recommitting myself to. How do you build that community so you are able to have that support system in place that will allow you to make the choices and to carve out the life you want to live? How do you decipher who has that gift Mm -hmm. to be allowed into your inner space? Personally, and you know this, I had like a, I guess, a reawakening of what tribe meant to me in this past year and a half. As you know, I went through my divorce this past year and a half. We're on great terms. He's always going to be someone that I think very, very highly of. But of course, it's a trying time. It's a difficult time. And before then, my relationships is something that I don't typically tend to talk about. Not on something that's such a huge level, because also just out of respect to, I think, for for the partner that I'm with, I don't air a lot of my things out to other people. And I, I still don't. But where I'm getting at this is And that time in the separation, the divorce, friends had reached out to me, lifelong friends had reached out to me, checking in with me, asking if I'm okay. And then I started to talk to them about what was actually going on and opening up to them about it. And that was actually, in a weird way, as tumultuous as that time was, was such a gift because it really reminded me of the importance of that tribe and those relationships. And it also showed me what I really valued for those people in my life. And I realized that as I was talking to certain girlfriends of mine, my mom, my sisters, and you and like other girlfriends and guy friends and just people in general that I've had in my life for years, the amount of, I guess I want to say, openness and respect of my privacy, but also just of understanding that life isn't perfect and just wanting to be there for you and to have an open heart and an open mind about certain things 
really reinforced me the importance of having that open dialogue with the people around me about like my life and what was going on. And I think it just came back to knowing who it is and what I wanted from the people around me and vice versa, what I wanted to provide for them as well. What was really beautiful is that in those conversations, it really brought back a sense of connection actually that I think was lost because sometimes going through life, we get so busy that we don't really take the time to check in as often as we hope or we would like with the people that are closest to us. Right. So one, it really enforced to me, not just what I really valued in relationships with people to me, but also how I wanted to be with other people. And in that practice, it then shaped how I wanted to build my tribe. And not all the conversations were positive, I'll say. Right. But that was also a really good takeaway for me as well, because I think one thing in talking about who do you decide is really good for you? Well, who really respects your boundaries, I think is really important. Yeah. And how they come to you with respect of those boundaries. At that time, for certain people, I didn't even have to say what my boundaries were. They came at me and said, look, you can talk about it or not talk about it. I just want to let you know my phone is open and I'm here if you need an ear. And if you don't want any of that, that's cool too. We'll just like go and hang out. I'll pretend like nothing's ever happened or anything, but just know that I'm here for how you need me to be here. And that was really, really sweet to hear that and not to be forced into anything, any kind of conversations, any kind of molds that people are trying to do. I also really appreciate when, and this is something that I think we all become guilty of, and I know I've been guilty of, but in this time, I really appreciated people who didn't project any of their own things onto me at that time Right. of unsolicited advice, of unwarranted things about what was happening in their life and being like, hey, just so you know, like this is how blah, 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 and this is what I think you should do. And there's certain key words to me that have come up from this experience that I don't want to put on anybody else and I hope not to receive from anyone else either. And we've talked about this before. Which is? And the expectation of what people think that you should be versus what it is that you want to be. Words like must, should, and need. You must do this. You should do that. And you need to do this are huge red flags for me now. Right. Because in that, it's like, well, you're just forcing me into something. You're not even listening. You're just projecting your own your own things onto me and asking me to take that on at this moment. Right. But nobody is should, must, or need to do anything in a dialogue with people in your life. To me, that signals an inflexibility of a relationship that everything then becomes it's more- an imposition. Yeah, it's an imposition. It also makes it everything very one-sided, my way or the highway sort of deal mm-hmm. without actually being there and listening to somebody. Yeah. And I really value real communication with people. Right. I think you're the one who said to me once that- the problem now is that people just want to talk at each other and not with each other. Yeah. And that's something that's become very crystallized for me in the past year and a bit. That experience was something that really formulated and reinforced a lot of the people that I would like to have in my life. I understand that should, must are not great words for you, but I will say you should come visit me in New York and you must yes. come visit me. In New York. That's true. That's fair. That's not something you're forcing on me. That's something I I want to do. (laughs) Okay, cool. Now I got this on recording. (laughs) Are you ready to shop? 
Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I do want to just sort of put this in context a little bit. There's been seismic shifts in your life. And I know that it's been a very difficult year for people who did not know, because you are pretty private in terms of your life. And I, you know, I certainly respect and support that. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think people understand how much I support privacy. I will just say this is connecting two points together in terms of what you've gone through personally and the expectations in addition to us being Chinese, there is a huge expectation, I guess, for lack of a better word, that divorce is negative. And I will say this is going to your point about being binary and also the changes and judgments people make in terms of the shoulds. Maybe they might be well-intentioned, but it's still ultimately put on you <laughs> of what you did wrong when people say you should or whatever. I'm just speaking from my own perspective. I'm not speaking for Yvonne or, you know, you let me know, Yvonne, if you agree with this or not. But I think one of the many problems that we're having as individuals and also as a society is that we're going by what image or ideology people think we should have versus the reality of things. We got to kind of look at what's actually there. And for me personally, I think that if something's not working, even as a friend or a marriage, certainly, it's actually healthier to separate for both parties concerned. I think you actually took a harder road for a more authentic life. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I, I'm not shy about, you know, like I said, I, I do like my privacy, so I don't really tend to talk about this stuff very much outside of my personal circles. However, this felt like a different case because I feel that one, it's unfortunate that the stories out there about separation, divorce, 
you never talk about the ones that ended on a good note. Nobody really talks about that one. Right. And I'm very fortunate that mine ended actually on a pretty good note because we have a lot of love and respect for each other. Yeah. And it was just a case of us growing apart and not being able to reconcile what our lives looked like as individuals and what we really wanted out of life versus one together. It was honestly, to me, it felt like a separation out of love, out of love and respect for the other person, you know, to say that, okay, we can't have this life together because together it just, it, it wouldn't mean the actualization of things that we, we really wanted in life. Authenticity is everything. I think living an authentic life, it's not an easier road because usually just coasting and going along with the status quo is an easier path. Yeah. But why would you want to stick in it for, regardless if it's a job, if it's a relationship or otherwise? For me, I'd rather just see all the good, the bad and the ugly because I have a fuller picture of myself and my life. Mm -hmm. So doing what's actually healthier is better. Thank you. And I guess just to liken it to other lessons and also, I guess, going back when you asked me about how this whole journey has been, and maybe this has been for you too, mm -hmm. but it wasn't without trying. Of course. I just want to say that, that it wasn't a decision that we made. This was a very long time of us being long distance for like eight years and then trying to make life together work somehow. Right. Not to get into the weeds of it, but we did really try. And it was out of that trying that we then understood that maybe it's the best option for us both and for our families, for everybody was that maybe a separation would be the best way to go. So in coming to that, because I know that there's also this other messaging and societal expectation of, again, the whole extreme of you never should give up. You got to do this. Right. Try until you die. It's like sort of thing. Fake it till you make it whole sort of deal. I don't buy into that one bit anymore. Okay. It can have its use sometimes as a motivating factor. Mm -hmm. But again, it comes in the reflection of, is this actually a healthy situation to be in? Right. And why is this the only option? It's a way out of us not actually doing the work to understand if, if what we're doing makes any sense. If it actually gives us a fulfillment and meaningful purpose in life for us and others. Mm -hmm. I know we talked about this before too, and this was an interesting exercise that I adopted from Marshall Goldsmith in the Earn Life book, which I'm not endorsed by. It's a great book. I took this exercise out of it. She is available for endorsements and sponsorships, just so you know. <laughs> but it was the LPR scorecard, life plan review. What does that tell people? Yeah. I still got to go back and do this because it is a really difficult exercise. And he alludes to it as much in his book saying that, you know, it takes three minutes of your day. And yet so many people drop off on it because it's a really tough thing to do. He gives a suggestion of six questions that you start off with, right? Mm -hmm. For example, one of it was today, did I do my best to be happy would be one of them. And it's not scientific. He just says, start with these six questions. You can get more specific later, but rank yourself on a scale of one to 10 of how well you've accomplished that thing today. And it's a really difficult thing to do because you go in every single day at the end of the day and you score yourself on, on these metrics. It's in a very valuable tool to understand what it is that you actually want. Because I recognized that as I was doing this every single day, there are questions I started to write down of things that I think I wanted in my life. When I looked at those questions, there was like an implanted 
an idea in my head every single day that you got to do your scorecard at the end of the day. So you better work towards something. Otherwise you're going to have a shit score on everything, right? (laughs) You can't do everything in the day. It is very useful in that way. But what I'm getting at is in understanding if something is actually good for you or not, and not just going blindly full force at something because society tells you that, oh, it's all or nothing. You got to work hard. Mm-hmm. It, things will come and blah, 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 blah. You know, that whole kind of that speak that we have surrounding us. I noticed that in certain things that I thought I wanted. And then in those days where I really, really went full tilt on those certain things, mm-hmm. it didn't coincide with being happy. It didn't coincide with finding something that's meaningful in those questions. And it was just that gut instinctual feeling that like, I'm going through my day. I'm like, okay, I did a 10 on this thing. The thing that I really thought I wanted to do. Right. Then when I said, did you do your best today to be happy? Did I feel happy? Not really. Did you do your best today to find meaning? Did I find meaning in that? Not really. When you look at that in that way, Mm -hmm. then I started to reckon with the fact, is this actually what I want? Or is this some kind of messaging that somebody told me is what I should be going after? It's a really effective tool. It's a hard test though. It's a very hard test. Holy shit, that's hard. It's a very effective tool. It's just a exercise that I would recommend if you're stuck in that kind of place of like, is this really what I want to be doing? Just try it. Again, actions give you clarity. Let's just see what happens. But that's what I found from that experience. When you did this now, right? Mm -hmm. When you figured out those numbers didn't match, that you really went for it, but you weren't really happy and you scored low in the finding the meaning. With those results, how did you make the, did you make the adjustments and what were those adjustments? Yeah. So the adjustments I looked at, I said, well, maybe it's the way that I'm going at it because I wasn't ready to give up that thing yet because there was something about that thing where I'm like, no, but I still really want to try and pursue this. So I made adjustments to my thinking about it Mm -hmm. because I think also in a lot of the times we're faced with the opportunity, I'm going to say, to have those moments where it's like, I'm going to try certain things out. Sometimes it's the way we go about it. That's not making us feel that it's fulfilled or give us some kind of meaning or happiness. So I tried to adjust like how I was going about it. Right. And if that didn't work, then I really reckoned with like, okay, well, why do I want this? Okay. Where did this come from? Do I trust that source of where that came from? When we talk about what our instincts are is that instinct even warranted? Like what experience do I have that can actually back up that instinct with any kind of knowledge or wisdom, you know? So again, it took some time to just reflect on what that is and and to rejig a certain system in place. I think that's just incredibly hard. It is really hard. It's so hard to be able to figure that out. I think you're much better at sort of breaking it down and unpacking those on those levels. I don't know that I'm able to because I feel like I have like way too many hamsters on the wheel. Mm. I do think that's an incredible tool and you are making the adjustments. Ultimately, it goes back to your idea of choice, right? Choice is something that I think it's an untapped superpower that we all have because we make choices every single day of our lives, each giving us a different result. But it's especially difficult to tap into the power of choice when you're in a difficult situation. But I do love the fact that you are so conscious and clear that you have this ability to make choices and you are making choices and the choices aren't always easy. Ultimately, working to create a life that you want does consist of all of these choices and these small iterations and manifestations. The fact of the matter is, is that you are doing all of that. I think we are meeting you a year and a half later 
from your first appearance to now sculpting out a new life for yourself right now. Is that fair to say? I don't know if it's a new life or just one that I think it's a new chapter, a new chapter, I would say just, or maybe just something that feels more, I guess, I think that laid dormant for a while because I wasn't ready at certain moments to really take the reins yet. Mm -hmm. So it feels like it's taking more shape. At least I hope so. So we'll see. I guess in those choices too, what I've realized in the past bit too, that it could also be really simple because when we talk about scoring yourself, it it can feel very daunting and it is a tough task, but Mm -hmm. there is a simpler hack (laughs) in making choices. And that's just, again, going back to the systems in place, just make simple rules for yourself that help you make better choices. I'll give you an example. For one thing, I could be a really shit eater at times. Like I love my junk food. And for anybody, anybody who knows me, there's just like certain things in my life that I'm just like, oh, Coffee crisps. Yeah, man. Like there's, a, and look, there's nothing, there is nothing wrong with indulging things once in a while. But for me, I just really wanted to redefine nutrition for myself in a certain way, especially when I'm on set all day. For me, I really want to take better care of my health which means I need to watch a little bit more about what I eat. Mm-hmm. And being on set all day, sometimes for 14, 16 hours a day, it can get crazy. Long days mean that I'm not packing my own lunch sometimes, or I'm not taking the best care of my health. I'm not getting the exercise that I need sometimes. No, you're there 14, 15, 16 hours. Yeah. Like sometimes the balance just isn't there. It's all I'm saying. I could do a better job for sure. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. give myself an excuse, but sometimes it happens. But there's just a simple rule that I say, okay, well, I'm just not going to indulge in this. Or my rule today is that I'm only going to eat veggies, fruits, and things that I know aren't going to spike my sugar levels and like make me really sleepy. Mm-hmm. I need to do my work. And to do my work, I need to eat, right? I need to sleep well. I need to put these rules in place just to let me make easy decisions right. to make my life a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Right. Simple and difficult as that. It's hard. It's hard. I'm going to say it's hard because... I've been on set 15, 16 hours sometimes too. And you can't leave and you just kind of grab whatever is available to eat. There's something that I really want to get back to that you had mentioned, and it's really important in terms of the choices of building a community. What are some of the things that you take into consideration to build that community? I'm really still trying to figure this out. And and coming into this talk today, I started to tinker with the idea of like, okay, what kind of systems in place do me and some of my tribe, so to speak, have in place to understand what is healthy in terms of boundaries, what's healthy in terms of support. So how do you determine that? I guess. Because that's hard too. Yeah. Well, I guess what I spoke to it before was like how I determine what's healthy in boundaries is a language that we use with each other. Yeah. So for me, the red flags must need or should do anything are red flags. I don't do that to other people because I want to give them the open space and flexibility of making their own decisions and helping in support of that. If they come to me with advice, I would say, well, please let me offer you this as opposed to saying you need to do this or you should do this. That to me is setting up a obligation on the other person that they don't need to take on, especially in a time when they actually need support rather than obligation and burden. And I don't remember where this quote came from, but it's when someone tells you and shows you who they are, you have to believe them. I think we talked about this. I think I was the one that said that. Yeah. And it's very true. Yeah. When you went to your friends and your tribe 
Yeah. And you were going through this difficult stage. Do you feel like the people that were there for you were the people you, like there weren't any surprises that you sort of recognize that those were the people that were the right people in your tribe? No surprises. It was a reaffirmation of why they were, why we were friends to begin with. So that was really nice. There was no surprises there. Kind of going back to what support is and what these people have also provided me and I hope for them in their life as well. They're not yes men and they're not people who are naysayers as well. Mm-hmm. When I look back at those relationships and when I evaluate them, the reason why they're so supportive is because they're not complacent. And complacency lives in yes men and it lives in naysayers as well. They are active participants in my life in the sense that they are actually invested in what I do and care about what I do and ask questions about what I do. They're not people who say, oh yeah, just go ahead and do whatever you want. That's complacency. That's a yes man, you know, because a yes man is not invested in who you are. Right. A yes man is not somebody who is trying to make you grow and be better and see you and point out maybe certain faults in what you're doing or trying to help you just in an everyday be better, which I hope that I can do for my friends as well. Right. And naysayers are on the other spectrum of that, but also kind of the same. They're not really invested in what you're doing. They just don't want you to do it. Right. You want somebody who has opinions, who's not afraid to share those with you, who can tell you the truth that that if what you're doing is maybe not necessarily the best thing or can be supportive when it is, Mm -hmm. who can see beyond the hard trials and tribulations. If you go to them and you're saying, oh man, I'm just really having a hard time today. Like, But look how far you've come. And I really do see that there's going to be something to be paid off at the end of this. That's very different than somebody who just sits on the sidelines and isn't in the arena with you. We've talked about that quote too before by Teddy Roosevelt, when it's like the only people that matter are the ones that are in the arena with you. 100% agree. For me, in respect of those boundaries, I also need people who are actually active participants in my life and who want to be. Yeah. Complacency is such a killer of relationships in all forms, whether it be your relationship with work, your friends, your family. If you're not actively participating in it and you're not actively contributing and investing in it, then it dies. Right. That is something that I need to have in my relationships, in my very close inner tribe, at least. You can't be that for everybody. That's just impossible. That's really powerful. Going back to space and capability, I don't have the space to do that for everybody and nor should they for me. Absolutely not. It's a lot of work and investment and that's okay. I'm just talking about that very inner circle that we have, that very close circle that you have. And then from there, it's a gradient of of whatever it may be. There's certain characteristics too that I'll look at to see. And actually, this is not my idea, but that really spoke to me me. when I heard about it. I think it was from Jay Shetty actually. Oh, okay. Do you know who Jay Shetty is? Of course I do. Yeah, yeah. And he said in his relationships, he looked at four things. And not everybody's going to have four things. I think it's really difficult if they do. So what are the four things? The four things, is there care? Is there consistency? Is there competence? And is there character? Those are huge things. Those are huge. (laughs) Those are huge. They're fundamental. Yeah. And I think he just put it in a really nice, concise way of looking at the dynamics of relationship between you and other people. Mm -hmm. Because you can't get everything from one person. And I think that's really unfair too, to place that expectation on anybody else. You just can't be everything for everybody. So you're going to also have within your tribe, sub-tribes of people that give you 
competence. Mm -hmm. Like that could be your colleagues. That could be your work group that you go for, for advice for your career. Mm -hmm. Your mom, my mom's not going to help me with my career. I love her to death. And she helps me with a lot of other things, but she doesn't know anything about the industry. And so why would, why would I have that expectation of her? You know? Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Because competency, when you said that, the way I was thinking about competency Mm -hmm. was, do you trust their judgment? Well, that could, yeah. I mean, that could be it too. Not necessarily about like specific things. I have some great people in my life and they're like good hearted people, but their judgment is wonky. So I don't really consider that a person that I can go to where I could trust their judgment. Do you know what I mean? So when you said competency, I was thinking like that person's judgment or that Mm. barometer for them. Mm. I guess for me, maybe, and I don't know the exact definitions of this. I think they're probably pretty pretty fluid depending on the person, but maybe that falls for me under character more so than competence. Character being- That's interesting. Yeah. Like, do I, do I trust the source of where this is coming from? The character of, are they going to adhere a certain level of integrity on me, a moral integrity that I ad- admire from the other person in that kind of character? Are they going to make me grow and force me in that direction? Right. Not maybe force is not the right word, but you know what I mean? Are somebody who challenges me to, to be better. Yeah. So maybe that's what I would be thinking of. But anyway, when he spoke about that in a certain way, to put a measuring stick of those in your life and and also how you are to other people. Yeah. Are you providing that to other people? Because that's something that I really value too, because I I really do love and cherish the people in my life Mm -hmm. who are close to me and provide that. Mm -hmm. And I just want to be that for them too, but also knowing and not having the expectation of anybody being all those things all at once for me. Yeah, I think you've made so many great points. And for what it's worth, I could tell you that you definitely are that person because there's been many times that we've talked about things and you've you've held me accountable to some things that I may not see clearly in terms of my own self-perception or acknowledge. You've definitely challenged me to kind of be better about things. So for what it's worth, you're in my arena. No, oh, me too. For, for you as well. And the reason why I think it's so important too to have that, or at least I hope everybody has some kind of mm-hmm. person to hold that up because we are the worst judgments of ourselves, you know? <laughs> Sometimes we just really can't see ourselves clearly for whatever it is. Yeah. And like, I've called you out when you've had self-doubt because look, you've done amazing <laughs> things and I'm not yeah. blowing smoke. Yeah, you, you know have what I mean? called it's, me out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to have those people <laughs> because... Hey man, like we, we all go through the motions, right? Like it's not easy. I second everything that you said. I certainly don't want yes men or naysayers either. And let me just be clear when I say naysayers, it's not that I don't want to have people tell me no. And I just want to have people say, yeah, yeah, you can do it. Naysayers to me is, you know, it's a lot for me bandwidth wise, going to your point about space and energy. It takes a lot of bandwidth for me to struggle and grapple with my own sort of self-doubt And on top of that, naysayers and their negative energy. For me, it's just a little too much. And listen, like you and I just said, yeah, you've called me out. But here's the thing. I really appreciate that because I don't want anyone in my life to always agree with me 100%. I want people to give me their honest opinion and feedback on things. And I want people to challenge me and give me constructive criticism if they don't agree. And it's fine if we don't agree but let's have a conversation about it and have a healthy respect. And um, for whatever reason, 
And you and I have talked about this also, like, I'm so grateful that we sort of connected. And I don't know if you've gotten this, but I've actually gotten a lot of questions if you and I had known each other before. Oh, really? Oh, that's (laughs) nice. You and I did not know each other before this. And actually, the first conversation we've actually had was the episode that people had heard. That was like the first actual in-depth conversation that you and I had. Yeah. Whatever it was that sort of made us come together and click. I'm very grateful for that. And I do think you need people that genuinely have their own feet on the ground and have their own priorities in check, but also are there to challenge you to be better in every way. And that doesn't always mean for you to always agree. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. I think it's also just like really being honest and questioning the other person and saying like, what are you doing? Are you doing X, Y, and Z? So I really appreciate you. When you look back, what's been the greatest growth that you've been the most proud of, even though it may have been very hard? Mm -hmm. And I know you're still processing it. I guess maybe what I'm most pleased with is the start of of what I'm about to speak to because I am no way finished. I don't think I ever will be, but um in the self-reflection, I know that there's certain characteristics about myself that just haven't really served me. One of them, I would say it's not a, it's not a bad thing by any means, but it's something that I do want to take stock of and understand why it is that this tends to be my my go-to and that's high levels of agreeableness. For example, I'm just using this as one example, (laughs) but it's true. I am a very agreeable person. I don't like a lot of conflict in my life, Mm -hmm. which has led me to making decisions of staying in situations and staying in a comfort zone because I don't like that certain conflict. Right. Which is is interesting because again, this is like such a contradiction because people hear that and be like, well, did you not just uproot your life? And come out here and do all that kind of stuff. But because I get that response quite a bit when when someone asks me this kind of question. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is that in understanding that, I've been analyzing ways of thinking, okay, I know this isn't serving me in certain aspects of my life. So how can I change my behavior and my actions to then better serve me in the things I want to accomplish? Because as nice as it is being agreeable, which I still am very much so and want to be in certain in certain levels, yes. sometimes it really just doesn't serve me because it doesn't allow me to articulate what it is that I want for myself, right. articulate and express what it is I'm going after because I'm worried about the repercussions of certain things happening. Again, it's like that fear of like what other might, people might think of me. If I'm ready to step into that role of, you know, once I express what it is, maybe then that's how I'm defined and how do I live up to that expectation. Right. All those other sayings that I've been talking to are still works in progress, but mm-hmm. it's in the progression of that and the realization that I am working on it that I think I am most proud because I haven't given up on that. That's great. Yeah. In the short time that we've known each other, you're exemplifying everything that you speak of and hold as a person in terms of values and principles, you have always showed up in the way that you have said that you were showing up. All of these little things are characteristic traits, frankly. And, you know, going back to what we've talked about is like when people show you who they are, you believe them. And I know that you're going through a lot of changes and you're still processing things. And to your point, for me personally, again, as human beings, I don't know that you ever really hit like a point where you're like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to learn anything else. 
when I get comfortable, mm-hmm. that's when I sort of really kind of look around and go, okay, why am I comfortable? Am I not challenging myself? Am I not growing? Despite the turbulent year, I think you're doing all the right things where it invests back in yourself and you're putting yourself as a priority, which is really important because when you're agreeable, sometimes you self-sacrifice and put yourself in the back seat for the sake of other people. I think you're doing all the right things to have a healthier and a more authentic life. It's a tough thing, but as long as you're working towards it, working towards something that's going to serve you and ultimately everybody else around you, I mean, that's, that's kind of the measuring stick. Is there something that you're markedly happy with in terms of the change you've made? Markedly happy? No, I wouldn't say that because I'm always hard on myself, but I also find that it's actually a really great motivator. And that has come with an understanding of myself, knowing that just because I'm hard on myself doesn't mean that ever stops me. Yeah. You know, I think that's something that I could definitely lighten up on in certain moments. And I have been called out on that from many people to be like, oh my God, like just stop. You're doing fine. (laughs) So thank you to those who have said that, but remarkably happy. No. And honestly, I I think the reason why I have such a tough time even answering this is because happy is such a seductive term. Mm. And so maybe what I feel pleased about might be remarkably happy for somebody else. And so it's hard for me to kind of measure that barometer of like, if I'm pleased with it, yeah, maybe that is. But I think it's the same thing. I'm just pleased with just knowing that I'm trying my best every day to put priority on the relationships that I, that I really value to put priority on the, the things that I really want to see for myself and for others accomplishing in this world. It's just the trying of it. I think I'm just happy about the trying and that's really all I can do. Whether or not it actually does anything, it doesn't really matter, I guess. And I think maybe that's something I'm happy about too, is really letting that go and letting go of the end result and just being really happy with the present right now just knowing that I'm just trying something for myself and for other people. So we'll see what happens. I couldn't agree more. These are huge, huge life lessons. Thank you to Yvonne Chapman for not only coming back to guest, but for her honesty and for allowing us into her life and sharing her journey. Incredible reflections and perspectives that I think can help all of us as we go through our lives. Check out the next episode of Repent as I share some of the moments that I've had with Yvonne and I'll share what she's taught me and how she has been my cultural ambassador. If you like this episode and want to support the show, please share, subscribe, and leave a review. You can do that on Apple Podcast, Podchaser, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the show. A tip jar is also available on Good Pods. And don't forget, every episode of Reppin is available for download. There are tons of great perspectives that are being shared with you by some amazing people. So get them on your devices. You can always hit me up and let me know your thoughts on this episode. And you can reach me on the gram at Reppin underscore podcast. Thank you always to my technical director and musical composer who cares so much about the show, Nelson Dinero Pinero. And always love and thanks to Gracie Kong. Reppin is a Suburban Outlaw Productions. Until next time, stand up and present. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world 
that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.